RadioInfluence.com. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. What is up and welcome to the interview edition of the MMA Report podcast as I have got a trio of fighter interviews on this edition of the podcast plus I will start to preview UFC 289, which goes down on Saturday night inside the Rogers Arena there in Vancouver, Canada. As always, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast. Of course, new podcasts come out at least one time a week. Sometimes we get two episodes in a week with, of course, the midweek edition, myself and Daniel talking about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. And then, of course, here on the Sunday edition of the podcast, which is the interview edition of the show, as I mentioned right at the start of the show, we've got a trio of fighter interviews you got one fighter interview where he'll be stepping inside competition for the first time in three years another one is a guy that very well could be in the ufc in the very near future and the other is with a fighter who is coming off a victory on uriah faber's promotion there in california the first conversation you're going to hear is with a man who's been away from three years away from competition this guy that several years ago had him on the podcast rising guy he was on the verge had been offered a shot on Dan White's contender series and then life takes a turn for him Jamie Siraj he's going to be a part of his BFL card coming up this week as in this interview he's going to outline exactly everything that has been going on with him and having a near-death experience and and shares a story a powerful story where he talks about about to be put on a ventilator and having a thought process of man I never got a chance to fight in the UFC so he makes his long way to return this week here at BFL so you hear that powerful conversation here just in a couple of moments then you're going to hear from Alan Martinez he is a cousin of Johnny Munoz of course the UFC fighter Alan is now 8-0 in his career had him on the podcast earlier on this year when he was 7-0 now 8-0 in his career so you hear him talk about his most recent victory and also you're going to hear this is kind of a rare situation you don't hear a lot of this when we're talking about fighters making their way up the regional scene this is a guy who's not in a rush to get to the ufc but he does have a date in mind of when he wants to get into the ufc and then the final interview will be with hector ferrado who's coming off a win there uriah favors promotion there a uh, very fun fight uh, he, he got off to a little bit of a struggle starting there in that matchup but uh, took over in the second and third round so here those three conversations come up here in a matter of moments of course as always uh be sure to uh, uh, leave a rating review on the f- podcasting platform that you're listening to this podcast on. That truly does help me out a lot. Really do appreciate if you can leave a rating and review. But let's get right into the interviews. I'm first going to hear the conversation with Jamie, and then it'll be with Alan, and then the final conversation will be with Hector. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man that we have not seen in competition for over three years, and while there's a very good reason for it, you may have seen various interviews that he's done online talking about it, Jamie. Uh, appreciate time. I don't want to you know, hash too much because I think you, you've really gone into detail with various other interviews I have seen, but it made me think about of with the, the health issues that you had, and like you talked about, you were, you were on death's bed. What was the hardest part about when you make that, okay, I'm returning to competition. Is it more mental or is it more physical? 
Um, there was a, there was obviously a physical component of it because, you know, going through the recovery process, um, I was kind of nervous about it at first, obviously getting back to training and everything, but I don't know. It was just kind of like picking right up where, like where I left off, you know, the adjustment period was pretty easy other than the, the conditioning obviously had to get, um, you know, back into cardiovascular shape. But other than that, it was just like, it felt like I didn't really skip a beat. Um, I think definitely more so the hardest part of it all was the mental component of it. Just uncertainties, is my health going to fail me again? You know, and a lot of doubt, um, you know, even just my first day going back into sparring um, was how's my body going to react to us. So I had um, quite a bit of time to be able to process, you know, everything as far as am I safe to do this? Um, how's my body feeling? And I would constantly check up on it and really just ease back into the whole thing. And um, once I did, it was just like, I, I mean, I was around like December of last year. I was like, I'm ready to fight. And it was, you know, it was kind of shocking how quickly it all kind of came back together. But um, once I started my treatment, it was pretty smooth sailing. It makes me think about like, obviously you have your own mindset of thoughts, but it also makes me wonder like your sparring partners who clearly had known what you had been through. I, I got to think that part of them is also like, or, or did you have to say to them like, Hey guys, man, you got to train like you normally train. Yeah. Like I know there was constant checkups all the time. You know, I would drill and they'd, how are you feeling? You know, I would, I would grapple and they're like, how are you feeling? You know? And, uh, you know, constantly when I first came back, oh, uh, how's your head? Can I hit you? And, you know, some people obviously are goons and they didn't really care, but uh, uh, more when you're cross training. But other than that, um, yeah, I had a pretty good team. And, you know, there was definitely, I won't lie, there was definitely a period of easing into it. You know, uh, it was just training more so to just be happy and healthy again in the beginning. And then, as time went on, you know, obviously that competitive edge in me uh, is just, you know, firing the whole time. And I'm, oh, fuck, you know, I feel like I got the better of that guy today. You know, like he's got a fight coming up. Like, you know, and then those thoughts slowly keep trickling in. And then eventually kind of your fight ego just kind of starts to expand. And I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm right here still. Like, I don't know. Like I, in the practice room, I was... I just felt like I was holding my own the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people who don't know, like back when all this happened, you were on the verge of, uh, you know, major opportunities for for yourself. And now you're you're trying to put yourself right back in there. This big card coming up, your your turn to competition. Like, do you feel like it's the like? I, I, there's these cliches you could say it's the return or I'm back or whatnot. I mean, do you feel like there's a cliche to uh, kind of, you know, sum up what this is for you? I just honestly, I think going through that last camp and then the fight not happening with Ryan Rehovich really helped me because I think in that moment I was making such a big deal uh, over like everything I'd gone through. There was a lot of emotion going into it. And there still is in the sense of almost this, the sense of vindication mm -hmm. and like 
yes, I'm, 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 you know, it's everything is perfect. The camp's been amazing. My weight is phenomenal. Um, I think um, the biggest thing was like in that moment, I was very focused on everything I had been through. And now I kind of almost just feel like let's pick up where we left off, you know, and it's not as significantly as big of a deal. Like, obviously I say all this now, I'm probably going to feel whirlwind of emotion when I get my hand raised and some, you know, I, I would imagine some, some crazy feelings are going to come out. But as of right now, currently in this moment, I'm looking at this as this is my opportunity to get back for those opportunities. You know, this is my opportunity to get my foot in the door in the UFC. This is my opportunity to remind everybody as far as the Canadian regional scene that I'm the best guy out here, you know? So as of right now, it's more of like a kind of, I guess you'd say like a war state of mind. Whereas, you know, I'm sure when everything is said and done, there'll be some laughs some cries, you know, I, I, uh, I would imagine. You know, I, I when I was watching your interview with, with James Lynch, and you know, you were you were talking about your story with everything that you had been through with autoimmune issues, and it made me think of, of someone I know that's going through something very similar to that, where you know they've been dealing with this for two years now, and sometimes they go to a doctor, and the doctor basically has no explanation for you're like, look, I'm not right. There is something wrong with me, and. So do you look at kind of, you know, what you have been through and, and to where you're at now as, as maybe you can be an inspiration to those people that are, are maybe currently going through what you went through and, and understanding, like, man, keep the fight going because, you know, there, there will be an answer at the end of the day at some point. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I thought when I first said things like that, I came across almost like narcissistic that I was saying I could be an inspiration. Although I, I really did feel that in my head. I mean, if you there's, there's graphic pictures of how bad it got with me, you know, so I don't feel like um, I just feel like my story can really be used for people that have given up hope that there is there is and there is a way to heal. You know, I was diagnosed with a disease that basically gives people like a 10 year lifespan and I beat it, you know, and it's possible. You just have to believe. And it's so easy to say that now when I'm on the other side of it, but there was three years of that, that was absolute hell. And I, every day just would be in tears, just being like, how did it get this way? And there was no explanation, no hope. I went through, you know, coma, septic, septic situations at the hospital. I spent, I think in total, I spent about 14 months in the hospital in the last three years. So, um, you know, I really just, to people that are going through something like that, just I, the biggest thing I can tell them is don't give up hope. There's going to be an answer soon. You just have to, just keep keep fighting um, and be your biggest advocate for yourself. You know, I, I went out of my way. I annoyed the shit out of the medical system because I knew something was going on with me and they want to just kept telling me I have anxiety, I'm stressed out, I'm, you know, COVID, there's an answer to everything with COVID, you know, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a lack of, there's a lack of information that's also 
in the readily available hospitals that are, you know, your closest ER room, you know, you got to find a good team of doctors and, um, you know, just explore all options, you know, from your diet to your nutrition, to supplements, to proper rest, you know, uh, things like, uh, hot, cold exposure. Um, there's so many things that could go on and on forever, but you know, just exercise all options is the biggest thing I could say to people. Have you changed your training regimen now, as opposed to, you know, back in 2019? No, no, I haven't really needed to. I, I mean, I've sparred as much as I normally would. I actually think this camp, um, especially now fighting at 145, I was able to put out more of a workload in this camp. So I really, truly feel like my cardio is just on another level. Like I would always lose a little bit of something after, after you know, going into fight week. I would be like uh, when I was fighting at 135. That this camp has just been i've had energy every session i am happier healthier i just i feel way better fighting at 145 so um now uh, this has been a smooth camp so is the door closed to 135 like i i just don't understand like the my biggest thing is this is that there's a lot of people that look at my stature and still say i'm a 135er mm -hmm. i would do everything textbook i would go into fight week at the weight that i was supposed to be at uh, my body just had this weird thing with the rehydration it always like would reject fluids it would i would put like um i would put like food back in my system and my body would just literally start rejecting it to the point where i would puke till i was about 130 and then I would end up going into fight day sometimes only – there's a couple times where it didn't happen. But I go into fight day maximum at like 144 and I'm like – my body just hated the rehydration process. The cut was relatively uh, – I mean even that, it wasn't easy ever. I had to diet down quite a bit and I'm already such a lean guy as is. So um, I don't know. Like maybe I'd have to meet some magical doctor that <laughs> – you know, it shows me all the answers, but I mean, I've exercised quite a bit of options and I just don't think my body wants to do it anymore. I don't think I even want to do it anymore. I, I could give a, I could give a shit about giving up five to 10 pounds against someone. I'd rather go in there feeling charged, healthy. And I mean, look at the current champ now, you know, he five, six walks around at 170 pounds uh, cuts to 45. I mean, that's exactly what I am. Ilya, Tapourier, all these high-level featherweights. And I think you're starting to see that more and more in each weight class, guys that just want to feel better. You know, Henry Cejudo, who used to be a 25er, going to 35 performs better. I don't think that's a coincidence. And, you know, keeps my brain healthy, you know, uh, protects your chin more, protects your organs more. And now, too, I'm somewhat of like a you know, just knowing everything I know about health now and stuff like that, like it's just horrible for you to make those drastic big cuts. So I'm just not into doing it anymore. When, when I was over your Instagram and, and there was a couple of videos you posted talking about this match of a BFL 77, which of course is we're talking is coming up here in, in seven days. And, and the one thing I took away from it is you, you said, be smart and be smart and tactical. When we're talking yeah. about what's your definition of being smart in there? Just just realizing where the guy is strong, you know, realizing where his strengths lie, realizing where my strengths lie, and also respecting him, but, 
you know, using, using his, his style against him, you know? So there's, there's certain things that like, I feel, I feel like because I've been immersed with so many high level coaches from such, from such a young age, like the beginning of my training, I've been spoiled. Even when I lived in a shitty uh, town like Chilliwack, you know, a shitty small town, I still had world-class coaches and I still worked with Bibiana Fernandez. I worked with Cajun Johnson. Um, I worked with so many good boxing coaches, Nick Aguala. I had, I was spoiled from the beginning. So just realizing little little subtle errors where someone may say like oh he's got a really nice right hand well all i see is this thing isn't up here blocking you know i can spot little tiny openings and little tiny weaknesses that i feel like other people maybe don't see or maybe it just passes them by i'm so proficient on making my technique perfect where you know, I see with this guy, you know, I can use his style against him, you know, on the feet, he's in a lot of trouble with me. And, and when it comes to wrestling, jujitsu, I know he can't compete with me. Um, so, you know, but I have to play the whole game and I have to respect him as well. You know, that's the biggest thing I heard uh, GSP once say, uh, I respect it, but I don't fear it. And that's kind of the, the mentality I'm bringing into this fight. I realize he's dangerous, but you know, if I had to be a betting person on this fight, I would put all my chips on this guy right here. <laughs> and of course, you're taking on undefeated guy in Espan Sedano. As I recall, I believe the BFL artwork calls this a super uh, featherweight contest. Of course, it's a fight card that's got you know five title fights on as well. Like when you when you look at his abilities and, and what he does the best, and you kind of go, okay, I know I've got to be looking out for this. You know, you mentioned about obviously you're a fight nerd. You're you're going in there and, and you're watching all the footage and and seeing you know seeing the holes. But obviously you're seeing what he does the best. What do you feel like he does the best? I feel like his striking is definitely uh, his striking is very high level. I would say actually he's got very good shot selection. He mixes up his targets. Really good kick variety. Um, he's fast. Um, you know, he's a good striker. Um, he looks like he knows what he's doing on the ground. He looks like he knows what he's doing um, in the wrestling department. But um, it's really easy to look that good when you're fighting guys at that caliber. You know, this is a whole different level. Even that one 4-0 guy, he just, uh, he just finished with a body shot. I mean, that guy's all over the place and just uncoordinated, out of position, you know, I, I don't even think that guy would have made it past the first round with me. And that's just me being uh, objectively honest. I, I don't, I think I have a lot more killer instinct inside me than Esteban does. Um, um, but like I said, he's just, he seems like just like a well-rounded guy who has a really bright future, but um, I'm his uh, little learning curve along the way and he'll get better from this or he won't. But I mean, the end of the day i just really truly believe that right now it's my time i mean just kind of thinking about hearing you talk there one of the things that kind of came to my mind is i mean you know fighters evolve when they don't fight six months between fights and yeah. it's been three years for you do you look at that as an advantage of like he can go back and watch those 2019 fights but he has no idea that the tools that have been added to the toolbox like do you look at that as an advantage 100% because even when um, when my illness first started, I was still training. I just wasn't able to go hard 
I wasn't able to spar all the time. I wasn't able to put in crazy shark tank rounds and stuff like that. I was working on my technique all the time. I was constantly looking at technique. And then even when I was like bedridden sick, um, and even when everything was going on in 2022 where I'd have to be bandaged up around my face and let these holes in my cheekbone recover, I was at the gym helping and just trying to corner and I'd be watching guys and I'd be going to fights fucking with IVs in my arm, studying my guys' opponents. You know, I was, I was still so committed to finding any way possible that I could still be involved in the sport. So with, um, with, with that being said, I feel like there's so many new tools, so much better position, uh, positioning with my standup and so much things that people haven't seen out of my game. And, uh, I think it's a massive advantage for me. I'm not the same fighter. I'm, I genuinely can say non cliche that I am better than I was before. So, I'm excited to show it. You know, one of the things uh, I'm a big believer in, we don't realize how much we love something until it's gone. And like the example I use for myself is I, you know, I think about back in March, 2020, when everything shut down and, and realizing like that, you know, you could go out and do whatever, whatever it is, you know, like for me going out and, and hanging with the buddies and, you know, having some beers and throwing darts, you know, yeah. during, during this, this time, was there, Maybe that realization of like, I mean, obviously back then you knew you loved the sport, but maybe was there a point in the last three years ago? Goes, God damn, I, maybe a realization of how much you know how much how deep that love is. Yeah, you know, I it, it well, especially when I first got back to training, it really hit me. Um, when I was, I, I kid you not, there was one day when I was um, I was septic in the hospital. And I'll never forget this day. It was actually like it was March. It was March of 2022, and I remember like them saying that my my liver was failing, and then I remember them saying that my uh, the infection uh, had gotten into my lungs, and then they were going to put me on a ventilator. And I remember thinking to my in my head, I was like, "Fucking! I never got to fight in the UFC." Is like most people be like, "I'm going to die." No, like this is it. And I was just thinking for like an hour straight before they were setting me up, moving me into the room. And I remember just crying and I, they're, you know, they were telling me, they're like, you're going to be okay. You're, you're going to make it. And I was like, and, you know, they're obviously consoling someone who's pretty hysterical at this yeah. point. And um, basically, uh, I remember just thinking that and I was like, if I don't wake up from this or whatever, like I've never got to fight in UFC. And I remember thinking that when my blood pressure is dropping, when my heart is pounding so fast to the point where they're, you know, trying, they're sedating me and stuff like this. And I remember like most of that day when I thought I wasn't going to live, I was thinking about that. I never got to make it. So I never really forget that day because I just was like, like I always knew martial arts meant a lot to me, but after that day, I was just like, like, I don't under, I don't, I still don't even understand why I love it so much, but I just mm -hmm. do. Like, it just makes sense to me when I'm not pursuing this. It doesn't make sense. My life doesn't make sense. So, um, 
maybe that that will change one day but as of right now i feel i'm really called to still do this you know obviously you know we're we're seven days out from this matchup like like mentally speaking, like where, where's the thought process? I mean, you mentioned about you're supposed to have two other fights earlier this year. Those don't come together. Now you got this one. It is coming together. I mean, like, have you thought about like what that walk is going to be like for you? Yeah. Yeah, I know I have. I've been, I've been visualizing it quite a bit and I just really feel like, I don't know. I just really feel happy right now. That's, that's like, I just feel grateful. Um, I have been pretty calm about everything in the sense of I'm not trying to make a bigger deal than it really is because I feel like with everything I've gone through, I could my emotions could really spiral. So I'm trying to stay as calm as possible. But yeah, man, that place is going to go insane on Friday. <laughs> that place is going to get wild. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm just going to take it all in, man. You know, just go with what I feel. If I feel like I'm channeled and focused and, just in my zone and not acknowledging it. If I, you know, I'll just, I'll see how I feel. You know, I, I, I know at the end of the day, as much as I'm happy and grateful for, for everything that's surrounding the event, you know, it's a reflection of how far I've come. At the end of the day, it's, it's about getting a job done. You know, I'm not coming back here to say, Hey, look guys, I'm here again. Like I'm coming here to smash this kid. I'm coming here to break this kid. I'm coming here to make a statement. You know, there's uh, people from the UFC staff that are going to be at this fight. So I'm coming to make a point and uh, remind them why they, why they picked me for contender series before, you know, I, I, I was the right fit wrong time, but I'm back. I'm 28 years old. You know, I, I'm still young and I'm just entering my prime now. So it's, it's go time. Of course, everyone can check out this card here next Friday, June the 9th. I mean, as always, uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know that you can find me on social media. And anything else you want to mention, man? Yeah, you can find me on social media at Team Gremlins. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's really the only platform I'm on other than that. and Not really on Twitter or anything like that. But, no, thank you so much, Jason, for having me on. I really appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And, uh, yeah, no, tune in uh, if you guys can't get tickets. Fight is live on UFC Fight Pass, so let's get it. Joining me now is a man that we had a chance to have back on the show back in March. At that time, he's seven, he was 7-0. Well, he's now 8-0 following the victory uh, last week, Alabama. Appreciate time. Congratulations on the victory. Um, you know, obviously, it's been now been a couple months since the last time we talked. Like, as you think about, you know, where you were as a martial artist back in March and, and now here to the beginning of June, like, what, what do you see the differences in yourself? Well, first off, thank you for having me always. Um it's been um, it's been kind of cool to see the growth, uh, see the the evolution, and I'm only getting better. It, it was a few months ago that I did fight, and we were on the show, and we were just talking about being eight, or the plan is to fight again in May or fight soon, and here we are already done done that. Check that off the list. But uh, I felt like the preparation with this camp, I just kept going with it. Like my uh, my striking coaches over in TJ. Uh, my main head coach, John Munoz, and then training with Johnny. Uh, all, the, all those things, just keep doing it over and over. Repetition, the mother of skill. So just keep repeating what's working. Add things that I noticed that I can improve on in my game. Like this last fight, I was throwing some elbows and knees and spinning, and I never done that really. So it was kind of like, all right, it's starting to come. And the whole goal is to be a complete martial artist, complete uh, 
fighter. I don't want to go in with just one craft. And even though I'm really strong in my grappling, I want to show people like, dude, you can't go on the feet with them. You can't go on the ground with them. You're just better off not fighting them. Spinning attacks can, uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a give and take, you know, because obviously yeah, you're, I got you're hit with the right hand right yeah, after it's fun. <laughs> if you if you land it, it looks awesome. But you know, if they maybe catch you and, and take advantage of, it, was that more one of those things of being able to translate it from the training room to actually fight night and throwing it? So uh, my coaches over with Aldama Muay Thai, uh, my coach Pedro with them, uh, he mentions it to me a lot. At, like when you when you drill, when you shadow box, when you spar, all of those have to be the same so that when you fight, there's not that big of a of a different change. Because a lot of people, if you ever notice when they're shadow boxing, they don't take it seriously. They're uh, they're kind of just going through the motions. They're punching the like if your opponent's way up here, they're shadow boxing going up here versus shadow boxing exactly how your technique should be. So uh, my coach really emphasized on that when he seen me shadow box. Like I don't like it. Let's fix it. And uh, he's, I want you to drill just like you would in your your sparring, but do it in your shadow boxing, do it in your drills, and it'll translate in the fight. And I'll, there's times I'll spar and I'll add some spins, but it's not very likely. And I felt it towards the end of the round, it was a little bit more safer to do it. Um, there was one time in the third round when the opponent spun on me, and I was fainting the spin. And good thing I have Johnny in my corner. He's like, nah, screw that. We're not doing that. Don't spin. And I was like, oh, you're right. Keep me back to being on point. So... No, it's uh, it's something that I've been trying to add, but I don't want to make it where it's like an oh he he spins all the time. I want it where it's like oh I didn't see that one. <laughs> obviously, and for people who don't know, Johnny Moon is your cousin, and obviously he's got the fight coming up here. I mean, do you look at that as a major advantage to sit there and say, hey, we were essentially both trying to peak at the same time? Well, I've been. I've been having that mentality since I started in MMA. When I was uh, an amateur in 2019, I was like, dude, I'm training with Johnny. He's a pro. He's going to be going for the king of the cage belt. So it was, uh, I always felt that was something pretty cool that, that have like, it, it felt like up my sleeve against everybody else. I was being exposed to a high level competitor, high level athlete early on and, uh, and taking the shots from them as well. So it's like, I can, I know what, what it's supposed to feel like. And then when we get ready for fights, he's always like, your opponent might not be doing this, but I'm going to do it so you're ready for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, here it comes. So it's like, it's a blessing, honestly. And it's it's been a, a good little journey we've been having. And he's climbing the ranks. So he's about to demolish this guy Saturday. Uh, it's been long overdue because we got pushed back another four weeks. So when he was supposed to be kind of sailing off in the sunset for a little bit, he's, he went back straight to work, back to running, the diet. And uh, I had my fight coming up, so it was still like we were both kind of going at it still together to get each other ready. And he's on point right now, so it's it's a blessing, honestly, to be around him. Is he really that guy in the gym that just because of he knows you so well that he just knows the right buttons to push to get the best out of you? Oh, he knows he knows everybody's buttons, it seems like. Uh, he's really well-rounded on, on everything when it comes to just training life mm-hmm. itself. He can get under your skin outside of the gym. And it's all to make you better. It's always the thick in your skin because the real world's not not forgiving. They don't really care about you. So he keeps it real with us. And in the training room, if if you ever do something where it's like he don't like it, he's going to call you out on it. There's no uh, passes. You think you got a pass, and then you, you find out you're getting a head kick. 
And then you're like, oh, shit, maybe that was from being a turd this past week or not doing something right. I forgot something. It's like you shouldn't be forgetting anything or little details. So he gets on you for that. Um, he's the he's one of the, the captains in there when he, we're in the training room. So it's like it's something that he always puts up the energy. And uh, he when he's in the room, he's in the room. So you know it. No one could be slacking. Uh, keeps us on point. So I always aspire to be like that when I'm in the room and no one and he, if he's not in there, say he's training in TJ that day, I aspire to keep the, the room that same level, um, to keep the guys a good push and, and humble those that need to be humbled. It makes me think as like you're talking there. It makes me think about you know these various situations we see in the fight game. Whether we're talking about mixed martial arts, boxing, whatever it may be, of the different coaching styles there are out there. You know where you know sometimes there's a coach that knows, hey, you know this fighter, I gotta be in his face. I just gotta be brutally honest. Where you know maybe in another situation, different personality where they're like, I gotta kind of coach him up a little bit. Are are you are you the athlete that you're like, nah, man, be brutally honest with me. Uh, honestly, like I, my uncle growing up, he's been br- brutally honest with uh, me, Johnny, even my brother coming up in the grappling game and with the fighting, it's a little more dangerous. So he's really honest with us and really honest because he doesn't want us to get hurt. And uh, I, I could do a little bit of both. Um, I get yelled at a lot, so it, it helps. And then I have a, my Muay Thai coach over in TJ. They're more like passive. So it's like they're on you, but they're a little like it's like a passive aggression. It's like there's like because I'll be doing a combo. If I do the combo wrong, I get mad at myself and I'm like, dang it. Uh. And then like with my uncle, he's like, dude, you should know this already. Same thing we've been doing all these years. And I'm like, OK, like, all right. And then my other coach will be like, calm breathe uh, <laughs> run it again so it's kind of nice to have a little mixture on that but I do know what to expect when I'm with certain coaches so it's not like a surprise to me and that's one thing I've been uh, enjoying in this is like coming up with the same people uh, the only thing we do is add to be better we never look to replace so it's not like we're gonna get rid of somebody where it's like oh we didn't win the sh- Super Bowl here we're gonna change this out no 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 we keep what we have if we know we're lacking in something, we bring them in. We test the energy with them. We see if it's good. Uh, what are their intentions? And because uh, everyone we, we want to be around, we want everyone to, to shine in a way. So it's like if I if I have a coach right here who doesn't really care about getting out there or blowing himself up, it's like, dude, we're going to be – me and Johnny are your catapult. Like if it works for us and we make it, whoever's around us is automatically catapulted with us. So it's almost like it's kind of dangerous knowing like okay we can make this guy you know get the limelight a little bit and it could go south if they take it the wrong way so we have a lot of humble guys with us the team that we have like raul uh with entram uh carlos and pedro and aldama team over there and then my uncle john munoz and then the team in sequence i mean i feel like we have a pretty solid group and uh humble guys and we just all want to make it we're all trying you know get that limelight then and give back to our families give back to our team um, and and shine a shine a path for the up and coming guys behind us. And, and obviously, you're at a very interesting point in, in your your young career here. Eight no, I know the last time we talked, you mentioned about a goal is getting that UWC belt. But you know, we're it's it's beginning of June. We we know what's coming around. I mean, you. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're in the apex all all this week. I mean, are, <laughs> is there part of your mindset going? My next fight could be in this building. Well. Eventually, the fight will be in that building. Uh, but uh, as of the time frame, I don't want to rush it mm-hmm. to me. 
it's been written down UFC 2024 so it's it, that right there I feel like because I wrote it down at the time I wrote it down and I felt it because I did that the obstacles come but at the same time the false blessings come where it's like we got a one week notice fight or we got a two week notice we'll get you straight in there boom 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 your dream comes true but it's like I've seen fighters that uh where it's like that is their dream just to get to the UFC and it's like it's unfor- it's a great dream but it's it's a dream that you can reach and and I don't shoot for things that I can in a sense like I want to shoot really high up so if I miss it's just a tidy little miss it's not like I shoot so low that I hit I want to make sure it's like I'm shooting for the top so um UFC 2024 the game plan for the year is going to be go UWC uh in August somewhere between August and September and then uh my teammate Brian he has the belt Brian uh, prototypo and um once he goes to the UFC he should begin the call for contenders once he goes to the contenders that belt's vacant I want to grab that belt defend it once and then be ready for that call for the UFC uh whether it's contenders or get me right right in I rather go right in and get signed to a four fight deal right out the gate uh, contenders a cool way because they hype you up but it's uh you can win your fight and they don't like you so it's like you're you're stuck in that pickle but um the the blessing I have is I have a, a great team around me uh, they they're really honest with me so we, I, I still got things to work on. I'm not trying to jump in and, and be that guy where it's like, oh, like a Chase Hooper, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, he, he just came in a little too early. It's like, no, man, I want And I, watching yeah. the tough last night, you got the vets versus the prospects. So you can tell these vets their goal was to get to the UFC, and they did it. And that was it. They got a, maybe a contract, four fights, or two contracts, eight fights. They got cut, and it's like, okay, you did it. But my whole plan, get the UFC, cause some mayhem in that 25 division, uh, in three years, go for the belt, and then uh, start beating people up. By that time, Johnny should be having his belt in the 35s, and then he goes up the 45s. I go up the 35s, and then we both get different belts, and we're double champs. Sail off in the sunset. So, when you wrote UFC 2024, when did you write this? Do you remember like month? Uh, when year? I was in the UWC. So after COVID. Okay. So when I, because I didn't know what to expect when COVID hit, I was like, "Is it over? Is fighting done?" I never made many of those dreams I wanted. Like, holy cow! I didn't know what to expect. It was a crazy time. But uh, once we started, like everything started opening up a little bit, uh, and uh, uh, Ridium, Jason, and those guys, they got me plugged in with the UWC for my first fight. Um, it was like, okay, cool. Like, I think we're gonna get this rolling again. And then uh, me and my uncle, he's, we're really good at game planning things where it's like, I want you to fight three times this year. I want you to fight four this year. Uh, if you do this for X amount of years, these three years, you should be ready by 2024. That's the idea. And I was like, if you can see that for me, and then I can jump on that same vision that you have, and it makes it even stronger, and then I push it out there now to the world, now they're aware of it, and I hashtag UFC 2024, and it's like people keep biting on it the collective consciousness gets together and we're making it happen is that you know manifestation is kind of the word that you know people throw around is that like a big belief for you uh i yes and also too like uh i follow like god's plan i'm i'm like really big on that like if if things already if he already if he writes your story from the end to the beginning it's like for you to wake up that day there's something you had to get done that day um, and for me to start a career, there has to be an end to the career. So 
if I'm if I the closer I get to the source that created us, or I feel like it gets revealed to you as the days go on, and you'll see the signs on your phone scrolling. You'll see it in a in a movie. You'll hear a song because there'll be moments where you're driving and it's like, oh, did I hear that on the radio or did that little snippet come up or did I hear this or did I see that? You did see that for a reason. It, it, it sparked a thought and it gets you going and then it just runs from there. You, you know, it's, it's this weird thing. I was talking to a friend about this. It's like, you know, we always talk about Big Brother's always watching. And I mean, how many times, you know, that's you, scary, bro. What, They're already what, watching us now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, but it's like whatever you're going through in life, what, whatever it may be. And then, like you know, you're listening to your you know music playlist, and you know, obviously, it's just throwing some Ram song at you they believe you like, and then you you start listening to those lyrics, and you go, "Holy crap, man! I can really relate to those lyrics right now." No, that that's uh that's so true. Like everything has to happen at its according time, because there's times that we wish we could go back and with what the knowledge we know now, and maybe do something different, but it's like you weren't of the maturity to actually take action. So imagine if you did at that young age, it would have cost you in the end with a consequence. You would have been blessed too early. So like for me, I'm in like this understanding where it's like, I'm around the UFC so much right now with Johnny and walking around with them and knowing the people's names around here. It's like, hey, what's up? And and like being cool with them now and like understanding like, okay, this is what I got to go through in, in about a year. So it's like, why, why am I been privileged, blessed, uh, to be able to see this early and I feel because it's meant for me to be here it's meant for me to go to the UFC meant for me to be around I mean I'm around Brandon Moreno and, and when I stay uh, stayed at his house it's like his belt's right there so I'm able to see the actual UFC belt that's a $50,000 belt with some rubies on it like well, it's just chilling right there and I was looking at it and I'm like this is this is like the goal for like millions of people they want to shoot and get to the UFC. They want to get this belt. And I'm in the privilege enough to hang out with Brandon, be around him, know him, uh, and like just stay at his house where he's open arms and the way he is as a person. It's like seeing the belt, knowing that Johnny's on his way to that belt too for the 35, uh, being able to train with all these other fighters, being aware of all this. It's like I don't want to take it for granted at all. I, I stay humble. It's, it's like a there's a reason why I'm, I'm around where I'm around, and I'm just trying to – figure out what the bigger purpose because there's something bigger i gotta like when i was warming up in the back uh uwc at this last fight uh, they pushed me to co-main event which i never been a co-main event for a card or anything so i was like it's seven and oh it kind of makes sense it's coming like i'll be having the fight later and get used to it kind of deal and i was like man like this isn't for me it felt it hit me i was like this is for those that are watching on tv somebody that's going to be inspired by this fight and then little do I know, after my fight was over and I was scrolling on my phone, my niece was watching the fight, and she's about four. And she was like, look, look. And, like, my uh, brother-in-law was like, oh, that's your Theo Allen, Theo Allen. And she kind of recognized me, and I'm like, at that moment, I didn't think it was going to be her, the one that's going to be watching it in that sense. And I watched back on it, and I was like, that's why I'm doing this. There's people that are watching me, looking up to me, family. It could be people I don't even know around the world, and it's like, the, for them to go, oh, dude, I'm inspired by your fights, or I love the way you carry yourself. It's like, okay, that if it made you change a thought, maybe where it's positive, and it made you carry on your life a little better with a smile. Kudos, let's do it. I'm gonna keep running this game. So when you went back to the locker room after after your victory, how many notifications on that phone? Oh, dude, uh, I have a buddy of mine, Paulo, and ever since my first pro fight, 
and I was like, bro, check this out. And I kept scrolling and I'm like, dude, it won't stop. It won't stop. The love is there. Everyone's shooting out all their, hey, congrats, or we saw it, you look great. And then like every fight I always go up to them, I'm like, bro, it happened again. <laughs> and it's only gonna keep going. But I my biggest thing, I wanna get back to everybody. So like I always like I'll wait a little bit. And then when I get like a killer free time, I'm like going ham on getting back to everybody. Just a simple, hey, thank you. I know it goes so far. Yeah. My uncle taught me that. So me getting back to people, sending voice messages, like it might take me a minute, but I'll get back to everybody. And then there are those people, hey, bro, you never got back to me. And I'm like, dude, just reach out again. Like sometimes yeah. it gets thrown in the filter section. Like I'm not no one special, dude. I got, you know, bleed the same blood. Like, come on. Yeah. It, it leads me to think about this uh, of obviously you were the guy in the cage last week. Johnny's in the cage this week. So it's, it's role reversals for, for yeah. you this week. Are you more nervous this week than you were last week? Just because definitely you're not in control man, for my, for myself. Like when it's me fighting, I feel pretty solid. I'm like on point mentally and everything. Yeah. I get nervous, but it's like, yeah. it's more controlled right now. It's like, I get nervous to where my stomach hurts, but in a good way, but it's, it's not me in there. It's like when it, when it's you in there, it's like, okay, I can control this. I'm in control. It's me. But when it's not you and especially my brother Johnny going in there, it's like, like, like if he's moving, I'm moving. It's like, I'm, I'm reacting. If he's reacting like, oh, it's, you can't control it in a sense. You're just kind of watching it, but I'm so confident in him that he's going to go out there and dominate. Uh, I predict a second round TKO finish might even be a ice cold finish with a head kick. But it is what it is, man. This guy's going to come in and, and get demolished everywhere. Striking, grappling. I feel that confident in him. Uh, but it, when it's not me fighting, it's I'm nervous, man. It's like, oh, but we're good, man. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting, especially, uh, obviously, there's the family connection, but, you know, there's, there's this, you know, brotherhood of teammates. And how many teammates uh, you know, I've talked to in the past, I'll be like, man, I am way more nervous when I watch my teammate fight than I ever am yeah, when I'm in that's there. universal, I think, for all these other guys that have, like, teammates that fight or family members that fight. I think that's the biggest thing because we're it's out of our control. Um, but when you have control over things, it's like, okay, I can control this. My actions, my, my movements, I can control that. Okay, cool. When you can't and you're watching, it's like, I want to jump in your body and get in there too. Like, I want to, I want some of that action. <laughs> I, I don't think I asked you last time we talked, the, the nickname Superglue, where did it come yeah. from? So I got that, um, I was probably 10 years old around there. Um, I got it from a, one of my, uh, at the time, uh, he's a coach with teammate, um, Ken Knapp. He gave me the nickname cause, uh, Back in jiu-jitsu when I was competing, I was like a boring grappler. So when you'd watch my matches, you'd be like, all right, let's just wait a few minutes. And then when we get the last 30 seconds, then it'll be a little more better. But I would go in, I would pull guard, close guard. That was it. You ain't opening my legs. I don't care who you are. Unless I want to open them, you're not opening them. So people would be trying to open them, grind their elbows in, stand up, try to shake me. Not opening last 30 seconds then i would open because you're so frustrated i'd catch a sweep or an arm bar and then um, that'd be it i'd win so it was really boring to watch but even at the gym grown men trying to open my guard it'd be like not happening so all the time as soon as i grabbed somebody or got into like my clothes guard done deal and then they're like dude this guy's like super glue and then it translated well when i went into mma because then i just kept going forward taking people down and not letting up and I wouldn't get up until either a round, the round ended 
or I fun I finished the fight. So it kind of went well, and then I had to switch it when it comes to like selling it the glue now because I can't sell nothing with super glue on it. I ain't trying to get an email, and uh, I had a feeling that was gonna happen. So I'm trying to be ahead of that. I'll keep the super glue for the nickname because everyone already calls me super glue wherever I go. It's like, hey super glue super glue, or though now it's like hey glue what up glue, and I'm like all right, <laughs> but I got an acronym now for glue so. It was something I've been trying to figure out because, like I said, a lot of these things will come to you, but at the right timing is when you'll get the re- uh, realization what it's for. So the G-L-U-E, giving love unifies everyone. Awesome, awesome. So now the glue is coming for you. So it, to me, it's a whole different whole different push now. Like it finally makes sense why I'm the glue. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we look forward to seeing when you get back in, in there and uh, seeing the UFC in 2024. I uh, appreciate time, man. Of course, uh, let me know anything on social media, anything else you want to mention, man. Uh, the Glue MMA on all platforms. Uh, tune in this Saturday, UFC Vegas 74, Kid Kavembo, second round TKO. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off a decision. Victor, here is first fight in over a year. Hector, appreciate the time. Uh, you know, going back and watching the fight, obviously the first round doesn't go your way. Uh, your opponent was really able to control it. But there was clearly a moment in the second round where everything kind of turned, and you could see Ty really started to slow down. Do you remember the moment where you're like, oh, he's slowing down? Um. Yeah. Uh the first round I knew it, I, I knew that round was his initially. Um, I want to say there were a couple exchanges where he wasn't progressing his position and I was able to lay a lot of damage. And in the, in those tie-ups, I, I felt tie kind of grown or, you know, not look the same when we did break off, but um, he stayed super persistent with his grappling and, I, I just went and just started accumulating as much damage as possible, and he, and I just knew it was going to take a lot of that just to try to soften him up a little bit. But he was progressively slowing in some of those tie-ups because he was hanging on for dear life on on uh, on a lot of those positions, and it was really tough because uh, your average MMA fighter, if they're going to try to lay down damage or some kind of progression, they leave openings and. Uh, Ty just was not having any of it. Like he was holding on for dear life, literally. And I mean that literally holding on for dear life. So those, those are the little tells where I'm like, okay, he's starting to fade. Cause he came, he started off really hot, especially grappling, like start off really fast. And, uh, I, I, I knew, I knew he wasn't going to be able to maintain that pace, uh, without laying any damage. And, he didn't do any of that. And like I said in my post-fight interview, I deal with guys way better than him that do that style way better than he does. So it was all, for me, it was mental. It was really just mental. Yeah, there was a point, I, I want to say it was in the third round with Uriah's on the call, and, and he's talking about He's like, look, we were, he goes, we were working on this exact position last Friday of exactly you find yourself in that position where, you know, guys just got to hold your legs, what you can do. Um, and, and the thing that he, that he noted on the broadcast, he goes, hey, here's the one thing about Hector. Hector don't miss practice. Yeah, yeah no, um, I'm, I'm – I'm quite a gym rat. Um, I pride myself in being in that room every single day since I've moved to Alpha Male. It's been about five years now. Um, and going to that gym, 
uh, I was just like, I'm never missing a day of practice. Like priority was number one with pro practice. So I'm in there, whether, whether I'm training or not, nine out of 10 times, I'm usually training in there, but, uh, it happened to be fight week. And yeah, like Uriah said, he was going over that exact same position. Um, and it just stuck. Uh, the, the sports mixed martial arts, it's, it's not wrestling. It's not, you know, it's not even, it's not grappling. So one of the things that I love about alpha male is we, we don't just go in there and just grapple or go in there and just strike. We look at specific positions that work for mixed martial arts and we address it. It's like, okay, well, and if we ever, if I were in this position, even in grappling, like what would I do with it? You know, what, what is this a position where I can lay down damage or, um, progress? Um, because like I said, like some of those uh, checkmate positions where it's like I, I was in some bad spots, um, if it was like a grappling match, I, I, I would have been screwed. Even like, you know, positionally I wasn't in the best spot, but for mixed martial arts, I was in the best spot to lay damage. And like I said, that's what the sport focuses on more now is um, the accumulation of damage over position, which I think has been excellent for the sport. Um, my my opponent's been on the, been in the sport for many years. He was fighting he was fighting when there weren't even any amateurs available. Like amateur wasn't a thing when he started, um, and I kind of felt that his game has been the same for like the last 10, 15 years. Not to say that it wasn't it wasn't bad. It just hadn't evolved, mm-hmm. um, and you could tell the way he fought. Um, it's why he got stuck in a lot of those positions. Um, that I feel personally like as a, like I'm a massive fight nerd, but like the way the the sport has progressed, like five, six years ago, this, this fight might've not gone my way. Like there's a very good chance that it, that the judging could have went the other way just based on position in some of the, in, you know, in some of the fights, but because we're, you know, the sport has progressed and we're all a lot smarter about it. Um, I was very, very confident going into that, uh, going into the decision that I had won. Even though personally I wasn't super happy with my, with my performance because I felt I should have finished them, but that's just me being my harshest critic. But yeah, yeah we're we're in a room where we constantly see stuff like that all the time. We're always picking apart information. Very high level room. Yeah, I mean, you know, as I was going back and watching the fight in the third round, you were laying a, a bunch of body kicks. Was that something going into the fight that you, you and the coaches there had had really felt that that body kick was something you just kind of felt like was going to be a key to victory? Yeah, um, honestly, I, I wish I would have I would have drawn on that earlier. Um, body kicks are that's probably one of my favorite things to utilize as a weapon. That's one of my best weapons. Um, but with my opponent being the way that he fights, uh, I had to be very selective with how I let him go because he he's looking for every every opportunity to put me on my ass and just hold me down. And that's one thing I just did not want to engage with on my part. So I had to be a little bit selective. Once I saw him wear off, um, especially in the third round, um, to me, I knew I had those two rounds in the bag, but going into the last 30 or so seconds, um, I, I just had to say, uh, excuse me, I had to say fuck it and just start dropping as many body kicks as I could, more to, more to seal the round and also in the event, you know, really try to hurt him with them. Um, but that left body kick, it, it's my favorite body uh, kick to drop. Okay. I like I said. I wish I would have. I wish I would have started on those sooner. There's a lot of things I wish I would have done a little bit sooner in that fight. But um, to me, that's that's always part of the game plan. It always is. 
you, you know, you mentioned about, you know, hey, you know, there, there's things you're, you're not happy with. Are, are you the, the type of athlete that it's more about looking at what you did wrong as opposed to maybe trying to find that happy medium of like, okay, yeah, these are things I didn't do the way I wanted to, but also I mean, to point out, you know, there's a ton of great things you did in the fight too. Um, to me, it's all about being balanced. Um, other than, I mean, going into this fight, I really wanted to make a massive statement. Um, like I would, I wanted a massive statement. I wanted a big finish. I wanted a big bounce back. Um, I felt that, um, coming off the Talbot fight that I had a big, exciting fight and showed a lot of things that I hadn't shown in a lot of fights prior and being a year, being a year out, I wanted to build off that and just smash Costa, which, you know, I did have a dominant win, but I, I wanted to finish him. And, and for me, I, it's not just, I'm very balanced and very harsh on myself, but um, my thoughts on this fight kind of also uh, stem from my corner. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I love my corner. I'm, I'm one that takes their opinion very highly and, uh, they don't, they don't bullshit anything with me. And it's like, they weren't the happiest because they all knew I should have finished them. Mm -hmm. I should have finished them and hindsight is 2020. Um, but again, he's a game opponent as well. I don't fight any slouches, but me being harsh on myself comes from, you know, my corners, yeah. my fiance, and, you know, just my community a little bit. Whereas like, I have, I set a high standard for myself. They set a high standard for myself. So I hold myself to that same standard. Um, but uh, there are a lot of positives. There are a lot of great things that I did in that fight and showed a lot of things. Like, like I said, Costa is the kind of guy where in my career, he's been like, that kind of guy is my biggest nightmare. A boring, lame prey like that. Those kind of guys plagued me as an amateur. Um, so to show like a high level adjustments and resiliency and things like that, like those are positives. Like I'm never going to take that away. Um, and like I did show quite a bit of positives, but I also did miss on some massive gimmies. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where that's where I'm hard on. But mm -hmm. the thing is, it's all good. It's good to say that kind of stuff coming off a W and regaining momentum. Like I was on a little bit of a skid. So it, it was good to get back against a, a good, durable opponent um, who had more more fights than I did and be able to take over the arena and, like, take over the show on Fight Pass and just really be a showman again. But, uh, yeah, I, I take I take a lot of pride in taking that W and, and making those high-level adjustments, but I, I just want to do better. The time is now. I want to do better. I, I want I want to be, like, I know I'm a high-level prospect and um, – especially in the Bantamweight division. So it's like, it's more about like, what have you done for me? Like I have to show, I have to show out. And that's the only thing for me where I'm kind of like, shoot, could have done a little bit more here. Couldn't do a little bit more there. But at the end of the day, I'll take the W 10 out of 10 times and I'll make adjustments where it's like the like the Talbot fight. I'll go back to the Talbot fight. Like my performance, I had no issues with my performance in that fight. I probably showed up the best I've ever showed, but I got finished and I lost. So it's like, you know, that was that was kind of a weird one because it's like, man, I showed out. I look great, but I freaking got like I lost. But whereas this kind of flips the role a little bit where it's like I didn't feel my best, even though I fought and I did great and I took a good big W. But it's it's kind of weird how the sport's like that. You mentioned obviously it had been a year since you've been in there. You talk about that Talbot fight. And could you think about where your mindset was? 
you know, leading into that fight versus the mindset leading into this fight? Was, was it gradually different the way you were looking at the fight game in, in terms of the way you, you went to the cage last week as opposed to when you went to the cage against Talbot? So give me a repeat on that. I just lost you for like two seconds on the uh, on the feed. If you get, I just got the no, last well, half well, of your uh, question. It, it, yeah, what I was talking about is when you think about what your mindset was leading into this fight as opposed to the mindset against Talbot and, and being away from, from competition for a year, was the mindset gradually different? Yeah, um, it was. With the Talbot fight, um, the Talbot fight was weird because I took that fight on two weeks, literally, like, that fight, I remember. So I, I was cornering Taruto Ishihara um, at the A1 previous. And I remember talking to the matchmakers and being like, I had been out of action for a little bit. And I was like itching at the bit, especially coming off Combate. I was like, man, I want to, I need to get a fight. Like, you know, what the heck? I remember uh, Faber and the matchmakers talking to me and they're like, hey, well, would you like to uh, be a backup? Like, you can be our backup for the title fight. Like, we'll keep you on standby. And and then I was like, all right. And I, like I said, I do my research on everyone. I like, if anyone was going to pull out, it was not going to be Peyton Talbot. And I kid you not, the next day, I, like I told him, like, yeah, I'll be ready. I'll be ready to go. Like, no problem. Like, you know, just keep me in mind. Literally the next day, they're like, hey, uh, you know, so-and-so fell out. Talbot needs a replacement. You're ready to go. And I was like, well, shit, I asked for it. So, I asked for it, let's go. And that was on two weeks. So it's like, and I was in shape. It wasn't an issue. I like, my mindset going in that was like, all right, we're rolling the dice. We're going for a title. We're on fight pass. Like, what more do you want against a gamer, against a dog opponent? Like, look at him now. He's in the contender series now. And it's like, like, those are the kind of guys where you get excited about. And you're like, all right, let's see. Let's see who's the man. Well, let's see what's up. Like, people were avoiding that guy. And I was like, I'm going to be the guy to go in there and spoil his party and go take that belt. Like in my mind, I was just like, let's see, let's see, let's see what this is all about. Like to me, that's what the sport's all about um, in that regard. So my mindset was like, I got nothing to lose. And um, that was it going into that fight. And, you know, and it was a dog fight. It shows anybody like that's probably A1's best fight, hands down. And that's an A1 classic for them. Um, Now for the cost of fight, like I've been trying to stay pretty active, um, but just things kept falling out. This sport's crazy, man. Um, wasn't able to get the fight, a uh, fight that made sense. I, I wanted to be a little bit more smarter because I feel like everybody now kind of plays the the sport a little bit differently now. Like some guys want to go pad their records or, you know, there's a lot of fluff on, on, on people's records and trying to get to the big show. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm a, I, I like to pride myself as a fighter's fighter. So I, I wanted to make sure – that I didn't just run into something that didn't make sense. Um, so when Ty got offered, um, immediately I was like, man, okay, I already know what, what's going to happen. This this guy's going to try to put me on my ass and grind me out. But the thing was, he had, he, he had a lot of tough fights. He's been on a lot of promotion, big promotions. Like He fought for Bellator. He's fought around the region. Um so I felt like that was a good bounce back fight for me to go. And I was like, okay, this one makes sense. So let's run it. And this time I actually had a camp. Um, I, like I'm a short notice guy. Like I think last time you interviewed me, I, I fought Torres on eight days and got the win. So it's one of those things where I'm like, oh shoot, I'm actually going to get 10 weeks. So for me mentally being on a skid, um, 
that played in my mind a little bit because it's like Costa has nothing to lose. He had nothing to lose, and that's a dangerous – like that's dangerous for an opponent um, to come in who's not like – who's stylistically not my style. Like the guy's got nothing to lose. He's just a brawler. Um, so going into that fight, I was like, okay, shit. Like I have to make it happen. Like it, it was risky for me to go four and four. Like that's like – in this sport like that 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 could that to me like especially my that could put a big knock on my career so for me actually mentally i was fighting for my career in my mind i was fighting for my career i was fighting for my momentum i was fighting to uh turn things around and just get some momentum um so mentally i was a little bit different and that may have kind of showed in the fight not really but i was just more about being the smarter fighter and not rolling the dice so crazy um, because for me, I just wanted to shake this skin and then just get back in the W and like, just go. Cause shoot the, I mean, it, it's, it's brutal. But the last time I got a W was before COVID. So it's like, I, I had to, I had to get it done at, by all means possible. So my mindset was a little different, definitely. Cause I felt going into the Talbot fight, I'm like, I can erase everything right now, get a belt back in the game. And here we go. Didn't, it didn't work out that way with, uh, Costa. It's like, okay, I, I need to take care of business with this guy. It's like, if I can't put, if I can't put a W against a guy like this, then, then I need to start questioning like mm-hmm. where I'm at in the landscape, you know, especially with contender series and all these big promotions. Like I want to get to a point where I'm making good money. Mm-hmm. Um, not just fighting on the region. Like that's what everybody wants at the end of the day. But mindset was a little different. It's something you said there. You, you talked about, you know, being a, a smart fighter and, and, you know, and some guys will talk about like, there's that, you know, that, that thin line, you know, sometimes in a fight of, you know, may, maybe you got to kind of, you know, take some chances, but like in this matchup, was it one of those things about being smart of going, okay, I know I can't overextend myself because I know what Ty wants to do. Ty's going to want to go for my legs, take me to the ground. Like, it, was that kind of like the chess match for you in the fight of just like, okay, I, I want to throw these hands, I want to throw these kicks, but I also know he's trying to, you know, find a way to take me to the ground. Yeah, for me, um, starting off early, I was like, I, I knew he was going to wrestle, but his, his wrestling timing was very awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he didn't he didn't come out the way I thought he was going to come out on his shots. Um, so that kind of threw me off right off the bat, but after the first round, the number one thing was I'm like, okay, I can't let this guy on my back. Like he clearly is going to try to take my back and try to stall me out for three rounds. So I was like, I cannot let this guy um, control my legs or take my back. So that did put a little bit of a hamper on what I wanted to do. And it drove Joey Rodriguez nuts. And I'm sorry, coach. Like he, if anybody could hear the audio in between the rounds, Danny Castillo and Joey Rodriguez lost their damn voices. And like, it was, I, I setting the jab was something that I wanted to do and I was not able to, but I was able to find the cross every time I wanted it. Um, but yeah, the mindset or like, or just the strategy changed a little bit where I'm like, okay, I can't let him get anywhere near my back. And anytime we're up, I got to put a cross right into his, right into his jaw and accumulate his, and anytime we hit the ground, like not chase a submission and not necessarily chase something risky, but just damage. Damage was number one. I have to chase damage, and it's like he, the man had a grip too. The man had a grip. I could not get out of his damn grip. To like, it was annoying. It was really, really annoying. But in those situations, it was just 
I, I was thinking to the point, uh, the, the strike differential. I'm like, I know for a fact I'm throwing 100 to 1. Mm-hmm. 100 to 1. Like in my mind, I'm like, I'm just going to keep chucking 100 to 1 and then just go. There's no way like by those standards that I should anyone should ever lose a fight if you're throwing 100 punches to 1. And I just, for me, it was volume. The, the elbows came in, the, the punches came in, everything came in. And then I knew it would just take care of itself from there. Uh, that leads me to say, I mean, anyone watched the fight? If people didn't watch the fight, they go to the fight pass. I mean, yeah, you 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 you, you probably threw two hundred plus punches easily. How's the hands doing? Oh, the hands are great. Um, the thing about the punches is, I've learned to throw them smart. I've had a lot of a lot of my teammates just chuck punches and like break hands, and that's one thing where I'm like, one, Joy Rodriguez wrapped my hands, so he he put a damn good wrap, so my hands were very well protected. Um, and then. Uh, looking for where I'm placing my punches. I, 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 I try to place my punches in the right spot. Um, my hands are great. My elbows, my elbow after the fight was not, it, it went up until it looked like a grapefruit was on my elbow. I couldn't bend it, but that's because I was blasting upside his head. Like my elbow hasn't hurt that bad since I fought Jose Avalos and had the same strikes, like just blasted elbows off the side of his head. And, and my elbow was it's the same one. It's still, it flared up. But I'm good now. Everything's good. Like everything was fine. It just lasted about a day. But the hands were good. You know, I have great coaching to teach me how to punch properly so I don't hurt myself. Um, I'm also a coach myself, so I'm I'm aware of practicing what I preach. Mm-hmm. So I got out of there no problems. And obviously, I mean, you mentioned about you, you love to take short nose fights. I mean, is that is that the mentality right now in terms of what's next for you of just you know just trying to rack up these wins and and to try to accelerate the, the time clock here? Well, you know, um, that's always been my mentality since my first combate fight. I've always been a short notice guy. I've always prided myself on being able to take a fight and just jump in on a on an opportunity, and it's been really good for my career. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of good things with that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I love this shit way too much. I, I fight and I train. I love feeling good. I pride myself in being in the best shape possible because I'm a professional and I, and this is like a life, this is the lifestyle I live and I love it. So I'm, I'm going to keep training. I'm going to stay ready. I know I can make 135 pounds in less than two weeks. And if the proper opportunity calls for it, I'm ready to go. Um, I have great management to take care of that. So I'm, I've already let my manager, I already let Jeremy know I'm ready to go. I've already let Jason know I can, I can go. They know I'm ready to go at any given moment if the fight makes sense. Um, but like I said, uh, I, I made a call out after, or I, rather I made a call. I want to get on that July card for A1 if possible, uh, July 22nd, back at the Hard Rock. It just makes the most sense uh, against a game opponent. And if not, I'm like I'm not contracted, so I'll I'll fight anywhere. But to me personally, um, time and age factors. Um, like I'm 34 years old. I know I don't look it and I don't move 34, but yes, I am 34 years old. Um, so for me, I want to get one more before I turn 35. I turn 35 at the end of July, so I want to get one more in, uh, get my momentum back up where it needs to be. And from there, I'm, I'm ready for anything, any, any major promotion that wants to give me a shot. Somebody slips on a banana peel. I'm, I'm in, I don't care. Um, I am that guy, but if somebody wants to lock me in for, for a solid camp, I'm not against that either. Um, 
I just want fights that make sense and are also exciting, like for my career. Like we're in the entertainment business. We got to, I'm here to entertain at this point. And if I'm not entertaining, then what the hell are people going to pay their money for? Like that doesn't make any sense. So I'll stay ready. I'll work. I'm going to keep working on my skills and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I have a list of, I have a list of bantamweights that I'm coming after and, and uh, I just want to get, I want to get things, I want to get the needle moving. I keep like, I keep seeing all these guys like taking opportunities or getting their shot. Like I still have yet to get mine. So um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna trust my work and, and get where I need to get. Like I'm, I know in my mind and in my heart, I'm, I'm going to get to the proper spot, like whatever promotion that is, wherever it is, I'm going to get there. But yeah, I'd like to get another fight, um, especially because this gives me time to rope off two or three before it's time to focus on my fiance, who, you know, hoping she gets her next fight soon. And then if there's one thing we know is we can't be at camp at the same time. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to get one more and then get her next one. And then we'll, we'll kind of trade things off. Like, so I think that's been a good recipe for us. And of course, we look forward to seeing when that uh, next fight is going to take is in July on that Uriah show here. But uh, Hector, I really appreciate time. Of course, uh, let me know that you can find you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? Um, no, I'll just say uh, thank you to uh, my team, uh, team alpha male, um, Iridium sports agency always for taking care of me. Uh, shout out to all my support and loved ones. I love being on your show. It's the second time we've had an interview. I, you know, anytime I'm game, we're, we're always down to have a chat. Um, I'm always, I'm always open for it. Um, yeah, I, I'm just glad to have momentum again and, uh, have eyeballs on me again and just remind people that I'm like, again, I'm still here and anyone can run my resume. I, I, I don't pad. I don't look for slouches. I want guys that make sense. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see where where, where the next road takes me. Um, I'm gonna stay ready no matter what, and then just look to entertain. Um, but yeah, shout out to everybody. Um, looking to get married in three weeks, but I'll still be training, and then we'll get right back to it. So enough time for a camp, no problem. And there you have my conversations with Jamie Siraj, Alan Martinez, and Hector Ferraro. I appreciate all those men coming on this edition of the podcast. Powerful stuff there from Jamie talking about, uh, you know, what he has gone through the past couple of years. And I think that, you know, there may be someone in your life that maybe that can relate to. I can tell you there's a buddy of mine that that story absolutely related to of what he has been going through the past couple of years. I've, I've shared that interview with him and because uh, I knew that would resonate with him of some of the things that he's going on there. And, of course, Alan Martinez. Martinez, you know, I mean, really the big, the big takeaway from that conversation is, you know, I mean, typically you're, you're talking about there's a lot of fighters who want to rush their way to get to the UFC, but that definitely is not the case with Alan. Talking about UFC 2024 and, and essentially, you know, I, ideal scenario is teammate who's a UWC champion, gets that call to the contender series, then he fights for that title, then makes a title defense and gets to the UFC in 2024. Just something you really don't hear there. And, and then Hector, really interesting kind of, you know, hearing Hector talk about, you know, particularly he's like, hey, man, if I didn't get the win, you know, I, I was going to have to make some tough decisions here, but of course, uh, training there out of Uriah's gym. And if you did not see his fight over there on UFC Fight Pass, there's a, a part where Uriah's on commentary and Uriah had to kind of stop himself because he did want to coach him up a little bit. But uh, you know, Uriah, a favor, a, one of the many now retired fighters who've gone into the fight promotion business. So I appreciate all those men coming on this edition 
of the podcast. Also, we'll have two other interviews coming out later on this week with two fighters who got fights, so be on the lookout for that. But of course, coming up on Saturday, we got UFC 289 headline by Man Nunez taking on Irene Aldana. Co-main event, great matchup in the lightweight division as Charles Alvarez is going to try to do something he has not been able to do in the UFC and that's get a win in Canada. He's 0-4 in Canada. He's going to be taking on Benil Dariush and, and I think that a lot of probably, I think a, a big expectation with the matchup is that potentially Potentially the winner fights Islam Hachev in October in Abu Dhabi, but that is a great matchup. Also on that main card, a fight that I absolutely love is Dan Ige and Nate Landwehr. How does that fight not just go out there and and give us a, a great fight, a pay-per-view quality fight uh, that the UFC is putting on here? I Man, I really love that matchup between Dan Ige and Nate Landwehr. Also on the main card. We got Mark Andre Barrio taking on Eric Anders. Also, Mike Malott taking on Adam Fugett. Uh, that is your five fights that'll be a part of pay per view. And then, of course, your prelims that'll be on ESPN and ESPN Plus. You got involving Curtis. Uh, Chris Dawkins was supposed to be on this fight card, but I want to say I saw uh, Nolan King report that he's out of his matchup against Khalil Roundtree. Of course, that was going to be interesting because of Dawkins moving down to 205 pounds. you got Jasmine and, and Miranda, a big matchup there in the women's 125-pound division. Miranda Maverick trying to move her way up the rankings. Of course, Jasmine trying to get into that rankings. Also, Blake Builder, a friend, friend of the show, you would say, uh, had a chance to uh, talk to Blake after his last win there in Australia. He's taking on Kyle Nelson. Of course, Kyle Nelson, the uh, Canadian fighter here. Uh, Blake Builder uh, had a great conversation. You go back on the MMA Report YouTube channel. You can check out the interview I had with him a couple of months ago. Uh, David Dvorak's also on this card as well. But, uh, you know, to me, it really is about that main event and co-main event of Maya Nunez defending her Bantamweight title against Arena Aldana. Of course, this was supposed to be the trilogy matchup between Amanda Nunez and Juliana Pena. Pena pulled out several weeks ago. Aldana gets moved into this fight. She was supposed to fight last month against Raquel Pennington. Raquel Pennington, by the way, is the backup fighter for some reason. If Arena Aldana cannot make it to fight night, that uh, Raquel Pennington would be the fighter to step in here. And, uh, you know, the thing with Amanda Nunez, I mean, look, she to me, she is the women's goat when we're talking about mixed martial arts competition. I know there's going to be people out there that will say it's Chris Cyborg, but to me, it's still is a man Nunez. I do believe that she is the women's goat here, but you know, the one thing and you've, I've talked about this, there comes a point where father time catches up with everyone. And there is, there is a kind of a wonder for me at what point does it catch up with a man Nunez? I think, uh, you know, I, I would kind of sense that this may be the type of fight where we see a man Nunez really utilize her grappling game and getting the matchup to the ground against Arena Aldana, but huge opportunity here for Arena Aldana. And may we get another Mexican UFC champion and see if she can join Yair Rodriguez and Bram Moreno as Mexican UFC champions. But, uh, you know, you look at that co-main event, Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush, man, that is a fascinating matchup. You know, Benil Dariush is one of those guys that, I mean, you talk about having to take the long road to get to potentially getting a UFC title shot. This is a guy that's had to go through everyone in this division. And, uh, you know, this is a matchup that would be very interesting if it does hit the mat. What does that look like between those two guys? Obviously, both very talented uh, matchups on the ground. Uh, Mike Malathe Canadian prospect who is over a two to one betting favorite right currently against Adam Fugget. Uh, Adam Fugget coming off that great win. Uh, Ige Nate Landwehr, man, that is that has got violence written all over it. Uh, you know, Nate, Nate Landwehr, you, you talk about there's certain fighters in the UFC that are not, you know, the the main event 
co-main event type fighters at this point, but they are, you know, because of their fighting abilities, that it's just going to be an exciting fight. And Nate Landwehr, to me, is one of those guys. Dan Ige is one of those guys, too. I mean, we, we've seen the toughness of Dan Ige, and uh, man, that is just a great matchup there. And of course, uh, Eric Anderson, a guy that, man, I've been interviewing since Eric was an amateur, uh, taking on Mark Andre Barrio. Big matchup here for Eric Anderson, coming in as a slight uh, betting underdog at plus 115. Uh, you know, when it comes to prelims, uh, the matchup to me that sticks out the most is Chris Curtis versus Nazarene Imabov. Uh, of course, this is, is at a middleweight and uh, Chris Curtis kind of jokingly said the other day is, you know, he's been taking all these middleweight matches, but he really does want to go down to Walter where he says, you know, sometimes you F around and uh, you, you find yourself ranked and all of a sudden you're not going to be able to go down to that other division, but that's a really good matchup here. You know, I, you know, I think overall, I, I don't know how excited I am about these fights on Saturday night. I mean, I, I think there's, you know, there's a handful of fights that, that really gets you interested, um, you know, so, but, you know, I'll be watching on Saturday night, no doubt about it. Of course, uh, I am recording this show prior to UFC Vegas 74. So that's what I'll be doing tonight. I'm going to sit uh, sit on the recliner and uh, enjoy these fights tonight. Uh, so, of course, as always, I appreciate you taking time to download this episode of the podcast. Of course, new episode will come out on next episode. will come out on Wednesday. Myself and Daniel will get more into UFC 289. Also, the PFL is back coming up this week as they get the next, uh, the next wave of fights here to kind of start to decide who's going to make the playoffs here. Of course, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been an interesting a couple weeks here for the PFL and the fact of I believe the number is now up to 10 I think I think the number is 10 fighters from this season have uh, been pulled due to failed drug tests uh, Rob Wilkinson is the most recent fighter to be pulled so they have had to make a ton of changes so you're seeing a lot of guys who, who are stepping up in here and I'll tell you the one fight as I look at this main card uh, coming up here on Thursday night, Josh Silverio versus Dylan Monte. That's that's kind of, you know, obviously people know who Josh Silverio is because of his dad, but Dylan Monte, is a, that, that's going to be a very exciting fight here at, at 200 and five pounds. Uh, also, uh, Tyler Diamond again, another chance here, taking on Moba Kabalov. Not, a, not an easy task here for him. Brent Lafoyne is in the main event of that fight card, Marlon Race. Kind of interesting to see Marlon Race not even on the main card. That's really, uh, really kind of interesting to see that that is not the case. Also, you got Impa Kasagna as part of this card. Uh, taking on Tim Karen. Of course, uh, Tim is a guy we've had on the podcast multiple times as he uh, is one of the guys that was given the opportunity to, to replace a fighter here. And that really has become, um, you know, a storyline for the PFL. You know, I, I saw a tweet the other day from Ali Abdelaziz, the, the MMA manager, and obviously he, he reps a lot of guys, not just in the UFC, but he does rep a fair amount of, of fighters in uh, in the PFL. And, and uh, I was trying to, try to pull up the tweet here because, uh, and this was his tweet, he says, fighters have to be responsible, including my fighters. They messed up the whole PFL season. It's crazy. Yeah, that, that is. And when I saw that one, one of my things I thought of is like, boy, would you love to know what's going on flying the wall in those PFL offices as they're getting notified by the Nevada State Athletic Commission about all these failed drug tests. And um, it'll be interesting to kind of hear about how much does how much drug testing goes on with Georgia um, in terms of that. And then, of course, uh, in Texas, that's where uh, the PFL, the, the it's the next wave of the PFL events will be taking place there. In Texas, I want to say, I want to say it's beginning of August is when that, that is going to take place. But uh, yeah, that should be very interesting to see. But do appreciate you taking time out of your day to download this episode of the podcast. That's going to do it for me. I'll be back on Wednesday with Daniel as we'll get you ready for UFC 289.